0: Smart Counsel is a production of New Pattern Counseling, with additional support from Multnomah University. To learn how to support this podcast, visit patreon.com smartcounsel. Rhys Basimio is a counselor, teacher, and writer, and the founder of New Pattern Counseling in Gresham, Oregon. His clinical specialties are addictions, gender, sexuality, and spirituality. Ben Poling is a counselor at a New Day Counseling Center in Portland, Oregon. He specializes in identity, relationships, and sexual addiction. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Smart Counsel, Real Lives of Counselor Dads in the Pacific Northwest. Smart Council provides perspectives and resources on spirituality, mental health, addictions, relationships, and trauma. I am Reese Basimio.
1: And I am Ben Pauling. Hi, Ben. Hi.
0: <laughs> How are you today?
1: I'm doing good. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Just another day in quarantine at the office.
1: Yeah. Yes. I'm also at my office.
0: Yes. Sort of pseudo-quarantine. I mean, I'm seeing a couple people in person, but mostly it's a screen day.
1: Yeah. So... Yeah. I get very tired of my screen
0: (laughs) i get very tired of my screen and then i want to go home and watch a movie which is really weird because
1: it's true uh it feels different though i think the chair is the bigger the bigger issue for me like i start to feel pretty uncomfortable in my computer chair all day
0: yeah oh yeah it's true there's there there's a there's a very is it quantitative there's a qualitative difference i think in uh, sitting in my desk chair, watching my computer, watching a client versus like sitting on my couch, watching the same computer and watching a movie. I don't know what the difference is, but it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Although, so so computer chairs, computer chairs, I think are the bane of my existence because, well, I've never actually forked over the money to buy like a fancy one that like fits my body or like like an ergonomic chair. I've always kind of freeloaded whatever was in the office, which was always just. Not quite the right proportions for my back or my knees or my general preferred postures or anything. So for a lot of years I've used a yoga ball, mm-hmm. which, has been, which has been great. But then at in my, in my, in my other office, um, my desk is facing a corner, which which was fine when I was just do, you know sitting there for a little bit at the beginning and end of the day to do paperwork. But then when I was starting to do teletherapy and now I was staring at this corner for eight hours a day. Uh, even though I was, I was on the yoga ball, I was finding myself getting really, really depressed because I wasn't i wasn't looking at a window anymore. So I finally treated myself, I forked over some money for, uh, uh, yeah, no, uh, no deprivation narrative there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I got a standing desk and now it's set up in the middle of my office so I can stand and watch the computer and peek up above it and see the window and see the outside and kind of move around, do a little bit of like pseudo standing yoga while doing sessions.
1: And uh, I feel great. I feel a lot better. That's good. Yeah, I like having I have a window right behind my computer, my desk, there's certain times of day where the light comes in a little too much for me to have it open. But most of the time I can just look outside and I have I I have very nice uh, green trees right outside and uh, yeah, r- nice, nice scenery to look at outside my window. So you do. You are in a very beautiful neighborhood.
0: So it's great that you get to appreciate it and enjoy it. So mm-hmm. yes, yes. So uh, today, today, today is not Father's Day. We're ahead of the game. We're we're ahead of the game for recording. one. Yes, for <laughs> one, we're ahead. It's great. Um, but. Uh, around the time this releases, this will be relevant. So, thus, Ben, happy Father's Day.
1: Hmm. Thank you. You too.
0: Yes. Thank you, and happy Father's Day to other dads out there, indeed, and in particular relevant to what we're talking about today. So, uh, happy Father's Day to like other counselors, social workers, psychologists, prescribers, and other coaches, peer mentors who are also dads and doing helping people work. It's uh, an interesting life, and we're here to talk about it because it's our life, and we have opinions and microphones, and this is what we do. <laughs> so, talking about what's it like to be both a counselor and a father, and uh, and we have a we have an interesting symmetry in, in what, what we have. So, uh, we have kids close to the same age, and you have all girls, and I have all boys. So, we get to maybe explore a little bit of gender in this one too, and mm-hmm. how that uh, how that wrenches things about a little bit.
1: Yeah, a little compare and contrast.
0: A little bit, yeah. So anyway, yeah, What uh, off the top of your head, Ben, Anna, what stands out as your experience of being uh, both a counselor and a father of,
1: of girls? Yes, well, I think, so in general, the experience of being a counselor and a father, like I have to start before I became a father, um, I would let's see. I would uh, I was you know I, I got my degree in 2011, um, and we had our first girl uh, in 2012. Um, so had my master's degree, was doing counseling. You know, I'd learned all the all the stuff. <laughs> uh, and uh, so like at that point, like before I became a father, like I'm. I'm very aware of so many ways that I can screw up a <laughs> human being. Um, and so were, there was a very big part of me that just, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bring a child into this world knowing that it's almost impossible for me to, to raise them and not somehow, you know, do something to, you know, to harm them emotionally. Uh, or, or you know, or, or something in their life. And, you know, that was very discouraging to me because, you know, you ha- we have these clients all the time who come in who have very like good, very good parents, loving parents, but somehow like there was this thing that happened and it was, uh, you know, very traumatic for them and, you know, and just realizing like, man, I can be like, I can be a great parent, but like, it just takes one, one off day or one, accident or something and it just like my child is my child is scarred uh so that was yeah that was something that i i had to work through before becoming a parent because uh it was yeah i was i was really um really uncomfortable with that there is a lot of weight to being a father now that i think about
0: it and in sessions we 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 do tend to talk about fathers a bit a wee a wee little bit <laughs> so. yeah yeah just, and, a bit. <laughs> just a little bit, and and oftentimes uh, those bits are not super happy, um, which definitely speaks to the impact that uh, a father can have on on the kids, uh, kind of whether or not he's there, um, it, which which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Which, in all fairness, is the same about mom too, because both parents are essential and have a big impact. But um, but today we're talking about dads, so yes. yeah. In in that part of your journey, what what changed your mind, or what what's what's helping you these days to maybe and practice parenting with maybe more confidence or more hope?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there's there's a couple of things. Um, one, I mean, just coming to the acceptance that that's just that's just kind of the way it is, um, and that you know, and that's that's okay. That you know that as long as I work to be a good enough parent um, that um, you know, my kids may have to work through them some things, but they'll be okay. Um, uh, so that's you know that, that's a big piece of just just acceptance and, and being willing to, to work on, you know being the best parent that I can be um, and, and being okay with that. Um, and the other piece for, for me is a spiritual piece. Um, bringing my my faith into that, and and understanding that that in in my faith God God is a perfect Father, and so I can I can point my children to to that, and hopefully you know they can get a, a better parenting you know where where I have flaws, God will not, and and you know they can they can look to to Him instead. So those are the two big things for me. Um, that help. Um, and you know hopefully other others are able to take from their own spirituality and and find ways to to have peace and uh, and comfort and in, uh, in being a, a parent.
0: Yeah, hopefully there can be some peace and comfort there. Um I, I think there could be. although hearing, hearing you introduce the spirituality, I mean for me, that just like raises the stakes more because now it's not just, oh, I have to hopefully cultivate this emotionally healthy, well-balanced, securely attached kid, but like, I'm also like, because I I hold some similar beliefs too, and thinking, okay, now I'm not only being a dad, I'm imaging God to these kids. And like, they will ever after, like, have to filter their concept of God through dad. And I'm like, oh, can I, can I cut here? (laughs) Can I swear? That's such big stakes.
1: And uh, that's really intimidating, I think. Yeah. And that's where I think, for me, something else that I've learned is like the, the, there's this humility piece. I think, I think for some reason, as as parents, we feel like we have to, we have to act like we know what we're doing, and we have to act like we're uh, we're always right or something. Whereas I think it's once our kids are are a little bit more able to, but but even even early on, just just being able to admit to your mistakes with your kids to be able to, to let them know that you're not, you're not perfect, but you're trying to do the best that you can. I think that really models, you know, the uh, humility and, and a, and a growth mindset. And, and just that, you know, like you can't, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm perfect. And, and, you know, it's, it's not, it's not good to expect me to be perfect, but I, you can't expect me to do the best that I can. um, And I'll, that's all I'll expect of you too.
0: There seems like there could be something really liberating about that in releasing yourself from the standard of being perfect. Uh, same as it might be good to release you, release the kid from the standard of being perfect. Also, I mean, no kid's going to be perfect, and so allowing them to just be a kid and have some flaws and act out some and have their questions and have to work things out can be. I mean, can be really liberating because at that point it's like it's where we're. we're we're attuning to and loving them, and not a particular portrayal of them that we expect them to give us. And uh, and too, I mean, like, how how else are we going to learn besides making mistakes? In some sense, I think here. So hearing you talk about that, I I think you're ahead of the game on the humility, maybe, which I should, probably shouldn't say because now you'll get now you'll get proud of it. <laughs> so. I, I can feel my head inflating. already. <laughs> <right. laughs> I know it's full screen. Um, <laughs> Well, so, so I know for me, I, I think I, I always wanted to be a parent and, and I always wanted to be a dad and I was looking forward to that and probably went into the process a little brazenly and thinking I knew a lot more than I, than I actually did. And that was maybe only exacerbated because I was, uh, I was a counselor by then. And I'd gone, I'd, I'd gone to school and I'd, had I gotten my degree? Almost. I was I was working toward my degree at the time, but you know I had the skills, I had the language, I had the jargon. I had I'd read books, a couple of books, okay, some articles. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had an edge on everything, and I, between me being a counselor and my wife having some background working with Montessori, and like the, the cumulative total of, of skills and insights and paradigms that we all had, um, I thought it was really great, and. Uh, was going to give us this really definitive edge on parenting, um, which I mean, hopefully we are good parents and creating a really great experience for, for our kids. But I definitely had a lot of confidence going in and uh, definitely have uh, not quite lived up to myself. I definitely had a lot of pride in thinking, I don't know, I, I was really judgy. I would look at other parents and other dads and be like, well, I don't do that. I don't do that. I wouldn't, um, and I, I was really, really mean in my own heart, I think. So mm. now that I'm where I'm at, I'm like, okay, I am kind of terrible sometimes. Like I yell at my kids, same as anyone else. I can't stand them, same as anyone else. Sometimes I have a hard time prioritizing them and getting down on the level and attuning to them and prioritizing them. And 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 then the worst part is that like a lot of the time when I'm doing it, I'm, I'm aware of like, okay, this is attunement failure. This is attachment failure. This is me slipping into aggressor role and putting them in the victim role. And like, <laughs> and because I know, oh my goodness, this is a way that I am screwing them up in the moment and I hope they have a really good therapist someday. So all that I say, I guess my, my growth arc has been a lot more of coming down to earth and realizing, Oh, I don't actually have everything all together. And being a counselor, I think offers some great tools and perspectives. And, and I love that I have those and I am glad I do, but I still have limits. It's parenting is still hard.
1: It is, it is hard. And yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think you can know all the things but but actually applying them in the moment in life as you know the the, the paint explodes and goes all over the living room or whatever whatever it is you know that the child knocks over the milk for the fifth time that meal like putting putting it in into practice in that moment is is so much harder um because because we're human, because we're people, because, you know, we have emotions and reactions and, you know, our, our own traumas and things that uh, affect the way that we interact with our children. We really do.
0: And there, there is that, that leap from something I know to something I am able to embody instinctively, um, which is really hard. And so, yeah, on one sense... I'd love it. I'd love for parents to be able to allow themselves to let themselves off the hook a little bit, Uh, because there's also other times when you really need to take responsibility for yourself and get your act together. Uh, But, you know, uh, in an interchangeable balance, of course, I would say, yeah, one of the other great gifts of counseling to to fatherhood is, um, I think, knowing my own story and having the practice and self-reflecting the way that I understand how Attunement works, and attunement, and attachment works, is that it's it's successful when I can be fully present with the other person and accepting of their experience and able to respond in a in a nurturing manner, and uh, and that just cannot happen if I'm being defensive or if I'm feeling insecure or if I'm not able to handle my own feelings within me. So you know, some some of the maybe some of the better moments are when. One of my kids is raging at me, calling me names and being really disrespectful. and I'm able to just like be really calm and like recognize they're not they're not attacking me. They're hangry. They haven't slept, et cetera, et cetera. They've had too much sugar. Um, and I think I think I think at those moments, maybe maybe I'm doing kind of well and and not not overreacting. And then obviously, there's the opposite moments when they're not doing very much at all, and I overreact very much. I had a morning like that this morning <laughs> so, but being able to, being in the mode, in the practice of like self-reflecting and being able to recognize, all right, I'm feeling insecure. What am I feeling insecure about? Oh, it's that. Or I notice myself overreacting in this way because, oh yeah, because I'm hungry and I've had too much sugar or or something. Those self-reflective skills, I think, are really good, and I'm glad I have them. And I know not everybody has had the same training or experience that I do, and and that can be something that's that's lacking. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm very thankful for that for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And just thinking about
1: that, like the, I mean, the attunement and attachment stuff and you know, that, that we, we can, we can fail at that at times. But I think what's hopeful for me as well is the fact that like what, what we've learned with attachment is that, um, you know, what can help to build a secure attachment isn't, you know, never having attachment failure, it's, it's the repair. So being able to repair, those, those things helps to build a strong, secure attachment because you're coming back and you're, and you're, you know, you're making repair to, to what was damaged. And so, and that, you know, that's hopeful for me because as long as I can, I can stay humble and come back and admit my mistakes and have a conversation, um, you know, I I can repair damage that I've, that I've done in my relationship with my kids.
0: I found a lot of comfort in that as well. And it's something that that's, I think that's an offering from the clinical world, from attachment theory, uh, as well as, uh, as my spiritual tradition as well. I mean, forgiveness, reconciliation, those, those are huge components. And being able to, A, know that that is really powerful and to actively practice it. I, I'm glad, I'm glad, again, to, to know how to do that. And I, you know, I, I look back on me being a kid in my relationship with my parents and, you know. You know still I mean that, that that's a thing that that's hard for, for for my dad to to repair relationships you know in a, in a very direct honest you know specific way I mean he, he has his way but it wasn't it was not something some it was not something that was modeled for me and so I've had to learn how to do that and now yeah I that's something I encourage you know all, all parents to to be able to do even with little kids and maybe maybe the difficulty is that there's there's kind of an assumed um power struggle or hierarchy. Uh, and, and it's maybe maybe there's an assumption that because there is that that hierarchy of responsibility between parent and child, that there can be no reconciliation, or that the parents can never be wrong, or that it shows weakness to to apologize or something. And um, I would say very much the opposite, it takes a lot of strength, and a lot of wisdom to own own your wrongs, And the, what you teach and which you model there is so huge and so valuable. And it is very good, very good for the relationship when there can be that repair.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, I think it's crucial for healthy, healthy relationships, healthy attachment. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's good to be a counselor and a dad. (laughs) It's nice to know these things. Uh, it is nice to know, but, but it's also hard because I feel like I'm I'm more aware of when I fail. <laughs> also, there there is that.
0: What would you say are some of the other challenges inherent to our position? Um, like how it how does being a counselor make it more difficult to make to be a dad in some ways?
1: And some of some of my own like challenges are, are like time. I'm I'm not home for dinner a whole lot. I do uh make it a priority to get home like by by bedtime so i can at least see the kids before they go to bed most most nights some nights um i have other things going on or whatever and it just doesn't happen but but with this you know area of work you know we see people kind of when when they have time to meet and so oftentimes that's evenings um And so, you know, we work, we work evenings and that, yeah, that means not being home for dinner when I would, I would like to be able to be home for dinner and and have that family time. Um, But try to make, you know, I try to adjust that by having other family time and, and, you know, I I have pretty firm boundaries around time, um, my time. And so there's certain time that's set aside for family and there's certain time that's set aside for work um, and, you know, I, I think that that works fairly well, um, but yeah, I think that's you know a, a possible downside. You know, and, and I'm sure that's not unique to our our field. Yeah, I mean, and I, like I mentioned, the just kind of being a little bit more aware of uh, of the ways that you can mess up or the ways that you are messing up, you know, can can create this uh, counselor word hypervigilance um, around. Your parenting and and yeah, just like oh, yeah, this this fear. I,
0: I think so. There, there, we can definitely be harder on ourselves because we know more, so we have to be careful with that. The long hours are definitely a thing, and yeah, and you're right. That's not that's not unique to our profession. And and as you were as we were talking about that, I was I know I feel that, and I wonder if that's more because I'm a counselor or more because I'm also in private practice and ergo a, a business person also. You know, there's that. But but yeah, Yeah. we have to we have to be available when our clients are available. So and a lot of people like to work on evenings and weekends. And so it's from a work standpoint, it's tempting to just say, okay, I'll be there evenings and weekends and uh, and then eventually that bleeds into days also and then I'm just never home. So that's hard. Yeah, it's good, though, to have the firm boundaries and just prioritize being home Uh and like Bedtime would be a huge one. The other thing I've been trying for a few months, and it has been okay, is uh, I've locked off like dinner time. So, because I, I, I live close enough to my home, I can do this if I drive. But I'll go home, I'll, ha- I'll see clients, then I'll go home for dinner, and then I'll go back to work for a couple hours. And so I'm out a little bit later, but I've at least gotten a little bit of family time. And that is okay. I don't know, it, it, it's something. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to minimize things and I, I think I should be home more but uh, it's hard the other challenge I'm thinking is more just related to the content of what we do I hear a lot of a lot of sad stories and a lot of difficult stories and I and I'm, I'm part of the primary service I provide is presence we could say mm-hmm. and so when I've been hyper present with people in a lot of really deep stuff for a lot of hours, it gets hard to want to also do that at home. So I do find myself being more short and more snappy at home for what, from my perspective, seem like little things. And I, and I wonder about that and I wonder how much is that just me being kind of irritable and grouchy, and how much of that is more because I'm just like emotionally tired a lot of the time from, from the work that I do. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I don't know. What's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's a, it's a big struggle for for a lot of counselors. Um, just, yeah, it's it's an emotionally taxing job that we have, um, and and it can be it can be really tiring. And coming home to a family that that needs needs your attention, needs your you uh your you know your presence, uh you know physically, emotionally, you know all always you know it, it can be hard giving giving that and not feeling yeah tired and, and snappy with with your family and i can i can tend to be a little bit more i guess i've, I've learned with talking with other counselors that i'm i'm sort of on the other end of the spectrum for, for counselors um or mo- many of the counselors that i know are you know are very good at attuning and they do that naturally and 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 can tend to do that too much, um, whereas I'm on the other end where I actually have to kind of work hard to attune to my clients and and to um, to to connect well with them. Um, but but what that means is I I also have pretty good boundaries around that, so it's easier for me to disconnect uh, when I go home and and be present. Um, so th- that's one thing that's uh, I think has, has been nice about my personality as far as being able to go home, but but it's work when I'm actually doing the counseling. That does sound like it could be an advantage in a sense.
0: It's good to have a boundary, even an internal boundary. Mm-hmm. When, you were, when you were thinking about that, th- I was thinking about like a generalizable skill that could uh, bring out, you know, if we want to offer like tips and tidbits and wisdom for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh you know, I mean, especially for people who are in these helping professions is to really, you know, take inventory of who you are as an individual, because you're going to have unique features like like you, know, you were talking about, Ben, like mm-hmm. the way that you attune or do not attune in this or that environment. For you, that, that's a, a skill and a resource. And, well, I mean, it could be both skill or unskill depending but yeah, you know, that, yeah that's something that's something unique to you and you you know maximize it uh you know other people will have like unique features of their lives and environments that are going to be uh their valuable tools their cutting edge tools and to be good to you know recognize that and and, and maximize
1: that in any way you can yeah i think that's that's very important to to look at to be honest with yourself and look at what what your skills and what your growth areas are and you know be aware of all of that. Maximize your skills and work on your growth areas where you can. And Shifting gears a
0: little bit, or seeing this from the other perspective. Uh, so, what are some ways that being a dad
1: has impacted how you are a counselor? Mm, yeah. Well, I, I think one way is um, you know, I work with I work with teens um, some and um so i find that i have parents coming to me you know um and and you know wanting some some advice um for you know how to how to deal with their teen um and and so i actually i mean i find that i sometimes actually have very insightful things to say about parenting um for for these parents. And, and some of that comes from my own experience. Some of that comes from things that I've learned just in general with counseling. But, but I think a lot of that comes from, you know, my own experience in being a parent, um, as well as, you know, I, I have stories that I can tell now. And because I have, um, because I have kids and life with kids is, uh, never too dull um so you know i I always have stories that i can i can use in counseling about um kids and you know whatever so um yeah i don't there's a couple things that i can think of what what have you got what what ways has has it affected you i'm trying
0: to think i mean in terms of like explicit influence i don't i mean i don't talk about my kids very much and definitely not with everyone um with other dads, I, I think it comes out a little bit more, especially if they're if they have kids like kind of around uh, the age of my kids. And there, there, it's a little bit more vague, just like, a, "Hey, yeah, I, I kind of relate to what you're going through." And yeah, you really need to be, you know, you really need to like, you know, you know, stop drinking and swearing at your kids, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I don't know. I think it might actually be like a little bit of like transference for me in a sense because I think I because I. And being a being a dad is a really big part of my my identity and everything. And so for me, I know I take it pretty seriously. Um, I think it, it gets hard when I see other people who are not taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Which is not at all fair for me to say because I don't actually know that, um, and I don't actually know the internal experience of how much it's important to somebody or not. So I can't actually say that. But yeah, I don't know. I have. I guess I guess I get a lot of transference around watching watching other parents. I think because again, because I know, I know stuff. I know be like, oh wow. Like, you're doing this. This is how that will show up in about 10 years. So sometimes I feel alarmed, but um, but I don't know. I think there's also a way, too, where, like, we talk about people having an emotional age, especially around uh, traumatic events, and... Uh, sometimes when they're being act- when they're being activated in regards to a particular trauma, uh, they'll they'll kind of their behaviors will shift or their perspectives will shift a little bit. And once in a while, you'll even see their like their posture shift on the couch and they'll, they'll hold themselves a little bit differently. And it can be helpful to sometimes ask, hey, how old do you feel right now? Try to connect with the inner child. And I think because like I have small children, I can kind of recognize. Oh, yeah, there's that. There's a There's a seven-year-old there, or that's that's what seven-year-old behavior looks like, or something. So,
1: yeah, yeah I'm sure there's other things, but it, it, it can be hard to recognize because yeah, the, the influence I think can be kind of subtle. Yeah, hopefully
0: I'm a more nurturing person, or I'm more in the practice of being being attuned. Well, there, there's a way to, I guess it can be validating to both dads and moms, too. I mean, when they when they talk about the, the sense of perceived failure or just the stresses of being a parent, I mean, they, I get those and they, and they can speak to those and they can validate mm-hmm. more of like, yeah, those stresses are real. No, you're not actually as bad as you think you are. Uh, and, and that maybe means something a little bit more because I'm kind of in the same
1: trenches. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, ideally, kids kids cause you to grow, too, you know, I think, I think when I got married, it, you know, it was, it was a positive thing and, you know, in, in that it challenged me to grow in certain ways. Um, and then when we had kids, you know, it challenged me to grow in, in other ways as well. And before we had kids, I would have said that I'm a very patient person. person, um, and, and I think that was true, but kids very quickly revealed the ways that I'm not a patient person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, taught, taught me, to, to learn to be more patient in those areas as well. Mm -hmm.
0: There, there is that the way that being kid, uh, being kids, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yes, tired, um, being kids makes you tired. (laughs) (laughs) Having kids shows you your limits a lot and it really touches you. And I don't know if that I think I cognitively knew that ahead of time. But now that I've experienced it more, it's, it's a really important thing to recognize. And, you know, maybe something to at least normalize for for other people that, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to be pushed and stretched and it's okay. And, um, you know, there's, there's a way that while we get stretched a whole lot, we also overcome a whole lot and we maybe find out just how much we can handle or we could anyway, we could find out just how resilient we are and how present we can be and like, You know how much, um, how much we can get bent out of shape, aka how much flexibility we can have, and still reclaim our center sometime some other time. So speaking, so speaking of being a dad and a counselor, in today's world, uh, I mean there's a lot of interesting features in our world and. I'd be interested to hear from you, Ben, as you're especially as you're as you're raising daughters. Um, what are some what are some of your hopes or what are some of your fears for them uh from the perspective of a dad who's also a counselor? I
1: think my my hope is that they can be they can be strong, empowered women, yeah, who care care a lot about about People And about what they do, you know, I have, I have a little bit of a hard time, like, I don't, I don't want to put too many things, too many of my own expectations on them besides what I think is good for just about, you know, any human. Um, I really want, I want them to be able to explore and find the things that they, they love and care about with me without me having to say, no, I think you should, I think you should like this or try this or or, or, do this. And I think there, you know, there's a piece where, you know, I think we do need to introduce things and, and guide things and whatnot. But, um, but I think I've, I've heard a lot of stories of, you know, I guess mom and or dad living vicariously through their children. Um, and, And I don't, I don't want to be like that, but, you know, but I do think, you know, I, I guess my biggest hope for my kids is that they grow up to be healthy, healthy human beings who who have who have good boundaries, but are also just really caring, honest, open people with a lot of passion. And, and yeah, that's that's the big hopes, I guess. Um, I'm trying to think if that would be different if I had boys. Um, I think I think there's an aspect where, where it would be a little bit different you know, the hope that they can they can feel empowered um and um and strong I, I think maybe that would be more of just a an assumption maybe if i if i had boys that they'll probably grow up to be strong and feel empowered because i, I think it's probably easier for especially i'm i'm white so i have uh i'm aware that my kids will have have privilege in that way and, and it's easier for them to feel empowered yeah That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I hear that. And it's,
0: uh, I mean, so, so being the, being the father of boys, I, the hope, the hope for strength is, it's an interesting one. And I mean, on on a level, I, I mean, I do hope that they will grow up to to be strong, strong men, but I am aware, again, they're, they're white passing. They're, they're gonna have a lot of inherent privileges. And I mean, hopefully they'll come out like really well-educated. I have no money to give them, but, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like raising boys strength has to be qualified a, a lot more because, I mean, I, I hope they are physically fit, but I strength has to be a whole lot more than just a strong body. And, you know, I, I hope they do. They are able to speak with firmness and conviction about their beliefs and passions. But Uh, you know strength has to be more than just uh, I'm a good persuasive speaker or I'm a domineering voice you know I mean I hope they do know how to like set a goal strive for it overcome odds and accomplish it but but I also know that strength is a lot more than just conquest strength is more than conquest and um, you know I mean I do hope that they have really thriving relationships someday uh, you know including you know including healthy sexual relationships also but you know definitely you know uh, strength is a lot more than just like sexual prowess and and strength and uh, and all of that definitely strength is not aggression uh, or, or violence i think that those are actually like expressions of weakness so I, w- I would share your your perspective there that um in wanting my kids to to be to be strong i would want them to be you know strongly compassionate and strongly empathetic and very strongly self-aware of their own internal worlds especially Maybe even a little bit more than the external world. I mean, I do want my kids. I mean, especially because I mean they will have a lot of privileges. I want them to be able to to name their privileges and name the impact of it, and uh, and be conscious of that when they're interacting with with girls, with women, with people of color, with people with you know different gender sexual identities and neurological diversities and and all of that. I want them to be aware of all of that. But uh, but but I, I think I want them to know how to be in tune with their internal life. So their emotions, their thoughts, their fears, their vulnerabilities. And I guess one of my concerns and fears is there's in in the way that I see society now there, there's a lot of there's not a lot of support for that. In most places, and there's a lot of things that enable just being distracted from it. Like, it's really easy to just say, I'm gonna work a lot, or I'm gonna drink a lot, or I'm gonna have a lot of sex, or I'm gonna just entertain myself, and not have to think and consider the things and my boys like i want more than that i want them to be able to consider the deeper things and not be afraid of their own selves both to like not be like overwhelmed by like emotions but also to be really you know humble and open to correction and learning and, and and teaching from wherever it comes so
1: yeah and i think yeah that would certainly be something for me, I mean, you, you know, one of my passions is, is talking about masculinity and how that affects us and particularly the emotional piece and being able to talk about that and, and experience emotions as a male. And that, yeah, that's a whole thing for me. And it's I, I guess it is nice that, you know, I have girls, there's not as much of an issue around needing, you know, needing to make sure that they feel free to express their feelings. Um. Although sometimes I I have, you know, I have to check myself because I am a male and I've learned, you know, don't, don't express your feelings, you know, um, you know, that, that I have to, I have to make explicit that it's okay to feel what you're feeling, but also guide, like, but it's not okay to express it by harming others or, you know, these things. Yeah. But it brings up also like, you know, there's, there's things that I, that I am concerned about too with with my kids and you know and and, you know there there is the the sexual piece of um you know i'm i'm worried that in our culture that they'll grow to to think that that you know their their value is in their their bodies or 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 how they can be attractive physically to uh to people and yeah worried about kind of yeah the the way that um i guess we could say you know negative aspects of, of femininity culture um, just like there's na- negative aspects of the masculinity culture you know the, the ways that those might affect them and um, you know honestly not knowing because I you know because I'm a male and grew up you know with with masculinity and know more about that like I don't, I don't know how to address that very well with with girls and how to how to get ahead of that with them uh, so I think I'm re- relying a bit more on my wife for that. Yeah, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to navigate that, but it's, it's certainly there as a fear. Yeah, I I see that fear of
0: of a person growing up uh, believing like their their worth is contained to like one singular aspect of themselves. Uh, you know, body, sexuality in particular. I mean that there can be some some devastation that comes from that. I, I'm trying to think, um I'm trying to th- I'm trying to sift through like standards and double standards facing facing girls versus versus boys. and um and I think that I'm trying to think if for for boys that that's as much of a pronounced thing like the year worth is in your sexuality. I kind of want to say it it is, but it, yeah. but in a in a really different form, like it's, it's really different, like, yeah, yeah. Not so much. Piece. It's a conquest piece. Yeah. Your, your worth is not in your sexual availability, but in your, in your sexual like ability and your, mm-hmm. in your sexual accomplishments. Um, uh, and again, that's very much like, like the locker room creed and I reject all of that, <laughs> but, um, but it's, but it, but it's out there and it's, it's a mentality that, that they'll run into at some point. So,
1: yeah. And so I think, I mean, I, I think going back to, what i've talked about i think earlier but maybe not completely explicitly but i i mean i just think it's so important to just have conversations with our kids you know i I want to to be able to have conversations with my kids about like the things that they're going to see the things that they're going to face um in in the world and um and let them know that that's not the way that they have to be um and and that the you know it may be difficult to to do things differently, but but it, it may be more rewarding as well, um, and and they might be healthier. Hopefully, would be healthier, you know, that way. So and, and that's I don't know. I think that's just so important, and yeah, it's a bit convicting saying that because I, I realize that there's probably conversations that I'm avoiding right now with my kids, um, because yeah, I just I don't I don't I I think I just don't want them to have to grow up that quickly.
0: Yeah, I hear that. Uh, and that's that's a, that's an ongoing conversation in my household as well. Um, again, thinking the offerings from the counseling world, especially me doing addictions counseling and doing recovery work, uh, I'm aware of like, oh, yeah, there's drugs out there, there's alcohol, there's pornography, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of things. And I'm like, I, I mean, realistically, I, I think it's realistic to anticipate. Yeah, my, my kids will experiment with stuff. But I, I really, really hope and pray that they won't become trapped in these things. And I, leading up to that, I mean, there's a whole lot that goes into that, like, you know, healthy attachments and healthy, a whole bunch of healthy things and like not a lot of trauma, but, but also you're right. Being able to talk openly about the things and to, to cultivate a family culture where we do talk openly about drugs and our bodies and sex and relationships and, uh, you know, and, and our feelings and a culture where they're not shamed for having questions or being curious. But we still have an honest conversation about it. So, and yeah, I I think I'm I'm leaning more the direction of I wanna I wanna be proactive and get on it and say okay let's let's talk about these things let's get them ready let's get them ready quick because I mean stuff happens early and my wife is I think more more I think where you're at and more of like I want to shelter them and give them a childhood and and there's there's strengths to both and it just I'm just um, kind of metaphorically biting my nails and waiting for like okay when is the time when is the time so (laughs) so yeah raising kids is tricky and i mean for me it's like the best and hardest thing i've ever done and i think yeah i think our kids i don't know i want to say like our kids will be fine but i don't know that so i can't say that so Um, Uh, sure they will right yeah in faith um i do think though that they're I mean, I mean, for you and me, as, as, as us and as counselors, I mean, I think we have some really good skills and gifts that we can offer our kids, too. But thinking about parents in general, I mean, there are a lot of ways to do well, and there's a lot of ways to do well enough. And I don't know, I think it's realistic to expect that, you know, as a parent, as a dad or as a mom, you're going to hurt your kid in some way, and they're going to have some bruising from you. And that's just realistic which you can the gift you can offer them, though, which you can cultivate for them over years is well, you know that reconciliation bit, owning things as soon as you can without making excuses. That's really good. And yeah, that creating that family environment where stuff gets talked about, things don't get hidden, things get addressed. And where where we can work through things, Um, where where there's brokenness, there can also be healing, too. I would, though, recommend against using meth while being a parent. Just, I just do. <laughs> so. Okay.
1: I think that's probably a good recommendation.
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, thanks for uh, tossing around some ideas around fatherhood and counselorhood and hope for our boys and girls. And yeah.
1: Thank you. Yes.
0: It was fun. It was fun. Good fun. Thank you, listener, for following with us. I hope you had fun, too. If you did, please do uh, leave us a leave us a five-star review. Five stars, please, on iTunes or SoundCloud. And we like that. Uh, you can also visit patreon.com slash Council and show your love with dollars. We like that, too. If you're a parent, be, be present with your kids and give them some hugs. And, and
1: be gracious to yourself.
0: And be gracious to yourself. Because you're probably not that bad so anyway thanks for listening let's keep the conversation going we love your feedback and invite you to share your thoughts about this conversation also, we'd appreciate your review and five-star rating on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Share your thoughts through email at smartcouncilpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash smartcounselpodcast. Please consider supporting this podcast with a financial donation through patreon.com slash smartcounsel. Our theme music is by Trent Price. Our logo design is by Thomas Moore. Thanks again for listening and let's keep the conversation going.